Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. When the walking and the handshakes and the selfies are over and President Biden reaches the rostrum in the House chamber tonight, after the cheering and applause has reached its crescendo but before it dies down fully, The president should reach into his jacket pocket, pull out his aviator sunglasses, put them on, then reach under the lectern and produce first a large, tattered, devastated, white balloon and drape it in front of himself. And then reach under a second time and pull out an LAU-7 launcher for an AIM-9X Sidewinder missile and rest the thing on his shoulder and ask the astonished representatives and senators any other questions, mother effers? And then he should smile, put the props back down, take the glasses off and say, Mr. Speaker, Madam Vice President, and our First Lady and Second Gentlemen, members of Congress and the Cabinet, justices of the Supreme Court, my fellow Americans, the State of the Union is, I feel the need, the need for speed. Obviously, he won't. But we need to face something that Republicans identified 30 years ago or longer, which we have refused to acknowledge, that goes to the heart of what was probably your first reaction when I gave voice just there to my little Top Gun State of the Sidewinder missile message fantasy, which odds are was, that'd be great, only to be immediately followed by a different voice in your head saying, you can't do that. 
We have to face the reality that this country is full of morons. I don't know if they are 10% and they're just allowed 10%. I don't know if they are 50%. I don't know if they are, and there are days, I don't doubt this a bit, 85%. But however many they are, they elected Trump and nearly did it again and might try it once more. And bluntly, people in America are stupid. And as ludicrous as the idea of Joe Biden showing up at the State of the Union with a fake missile launcher and a fake Chinese spy balloon is, how much more ludicrous is it than was George W. Bush landing on the USS Abraham Lincoln on May 1st, 2003 and getting out of the jet in a flight suit complete with a helmet and a high altitude oxygen mask and then stepping out of all that gear and giving his mission accomplished speech, even though no mission had been accomplished and nothing close to it would be for 18 years and it's illegal to turn a U.S. Navy carrier into a political prop and if anybody had been paying attention, all that the flight imagery should have evoked was the day Bush was suspended from flying with the Texas Air National Guard and whether or not he faked his service time and what in the hell did he invade Iraq for if the 9-11 plotters had been shielded by Afghanistan? But it didn't. It got Bush re-elected because the country is full of idiots. Most of them are Republican idiots, but not all. And the ones who are not idiots or who at least are not complete idiots are still consumed by the proverbial shiny objects. This is a nation of memes and of video games and of movies, 75% of which are now adapted from comic books. And when I was sitting there at the MSNBC anchor desk on May 1st, 2003, asking about the Air National Guard and exactly what mission had supposedly been accomplished, my co-anchor said, no, 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 no. Bush won this day. Look at the bulge in his flight suit. My co-anchor was Chris Matthews. Most of the time, he is an idiot, too. But actually, that day, he was not an idiot. He was channeling the idiocy of tens of millions of our fellow citizens who defy the odds each day and manage to get to and from their office or the store or the bar without killing themselves and everybody around them. And Matthews was right. Nobody thought about the Texas Air National Guard. They only saw George W. Bush mission accomplished in a flight suit with a big bulge. It began long before then, but from that day onwards, the Republicans have won virtually every battle of imagery fought on our political hellscape. What was Trump, if not entirely imagery? The planes landing at his rallies. That was Hitler's idea, literally Hitler's idea. That's how he mesmerized the idiots he knew lived in his time, in his country. The cheap, stupid-looking, snap-back baseball caps. And we see them and we say... I would rather wear a plastic bag tied tightly over my head. And we miss the point. Half the country already owned stupid-looking snapback baseball caps, and all Trump did was brand them and unify those who were already wearing them. And we recoil from these stunts because they are not dignified, and they are not honest, and those who perform them are not served first at the cocktail parties in Washington. And it is all somehow beneath us, and we shake our heads, and still in our quietest moments we believe we can win the hearts and minds of America with logic and sincerity 
even though with each passing day, there is less and less evidence that there are enough minds left in America with which to win anything. And still we tisk tisk and we poo poo and we sigh profoundly at stunts and imagery and caps and shirts and bumper stickers and props at American flag lapel pins. And yet tonight there will be congressmen in the House chamber booing with the audacity of dope a president who handled this balloon nonsense perfectly. Even though these congressmen have now moved on from American flag lapel pins to actually wearing AK-47 lapel pins, and they have not, as they should be, gotten dragged out of the House by their heels for mocking the victims of every mass shooting in this country. And they will not only get away with these lapel pins, some of them will be reelected because of them. Because... The Republicans and the fascists have tapped into and monopolized the greatest unstated voting bloc in this country. They got the balloon story entirely wrong. And yet here is Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, who sounds and looks like she just accidentally electrocuted herself with a faulty hair curling iron, tweeting, Communist China tested Biden with their spy balloon and he failed. And here is Kevin McCarthy, whose social media avatar does not just capture his quintessential native stupidity, but makes him look like he's just realized that that car out there in the distance in the parking lot is on fire, and it is his car. Here is perhaps our dumbest Speaker of the House ever, getting away with posting and keeping posted, first Biden refused to defend our borders, now he won't defend our skies. And here is this Reptile on its back legs, Marjorie Taylor Greene, whom we must congratulate because when she briefly presided over the House yesterday and they handed her the gavel, she grabbed it by the correct end. Here is this nitwit tweeting, there's zero Chinese spy balloons during President Trump's administration. China owns Biden and everyone knows why. The Republicans are winning the visceral battle over this balloon because they will not let any facts get in their way. And they do not have to worry about the Democrats even bothering to respond. And they can count on the morons like Ryan Lizza at Politico writing, China deflates Biden's State of the Union swagger. And the morons like Doug Cameron at the Wall Street Journal writing, Chinese craft raises fears of a balloon gap. There's no balloon gap. There is an imagery gap. There is a visceral reaction gap. There's a never mind the truth, the meme is much better gap. There is only an effing the other party up gap. Do you think that when I went on television and once a week called for George Bush to resign the presidency that I ever thought for a moment that he was going to resign? I never once said it just for effect, but I also never once said it believing that it would ever happen. I said it because it was true and because my low-grade, no-training-in-politics political philosophy is borrowed not from Tip O'Neill, but from Muhammad Ali. Yes, you might get in close enough to hit me and even hurt me, but every time you do, I'm going to make sure you get hit as well. Graze you or knock you out, I'm going to F you up. 
The fascists invade Iraq so their cronies can get all the planes blown up and we have to spend more taxpayer money to pay them to build us new planes? Well, you may not stop them, but as they do it, make sure you F them up. Make it personal. Make it hurt. Hell, we should have a secretary of effing them up. Cabinet meetings. Everybody here? Secretary of Defense? Here. State? Present. Agriculture? Yo. Secretary of effing them up? Right here, Mr. President, and I'm ready to effing F them up. Perhaps someday we will cure stupidity in this country, but until that distant and glorious future, we must court it, or at least neutralize it, because it is growing so rapidly that this actually happened yesterday, and I still don't believe it. This actually happened yesterday. There is a phrase in American journalism. It has spread to politics, to government, to the military. I heard it first at CNN in 1982 or 1983. When you want to present the timeline of something, anything, usually in a newspaper story or a television report, you do what is called a tick-tock, T-I-C-K-T-O-C-K, as in the sound that a watch or a clock makes. Tick-tock, tick-tock. A timeline. At 10 a.m. this happened. At 1 p.m. that happened. At 4 p.m. this other thing happened. This is what the press secretary, Ms. Jean-Pierre, said yesterday at the White House. I know there was a TikTok that went out to all of you uh, from the National Security Council that was pretty detailed on how everything kind of broke down for the past week. TikTok. T-I-C-K-T-O-C-K. What I can tell from all the now-deleted tweets, the first idiots who produce pseudo-news content for other idiots who screwed this up was the Daily Caller, quoting the press secretary as saying that the National Security Council had posted a TikTok, T-I-K-T-O-K, a video on a Chinese-driven social media site, you know, for kids. Next, it was Fox News. Their tweet by their reporter read, Jean-Pierre just told the press there was a TikTok, T-I-K-T-O-K, that went out to all of you from the National Security Council. That's right, folks. They take security so seriously, they're using TikTok to tell us, exclamation point, unquote. The idiot who wrote that has worked for Fox News Channel on the air, where they use the journalistic shorthand TikTok, T-I-C-K-T-O-C-K. Since 1997, he's worked there. And they hired him away from the Wall Street Journal, where they also used the journalistic shorthand TikTok, and where he had worked since 1985, and his name is David. David A-S-M-A-N. David Assman. We are surrounded by idiots. It is no use assuming they will go away. It is even less use to pretend that it is beneath us to manipulate them, maybe even pander to them, and most importantly, to try to get their votes from them. These are the stakes. Biden manages to extract Chinese intelligence tradecraft from that balloon and block its transmissions back to China and learn enough to confirm that other balloons were here three times without Trump ever noticing and then shoot it down over water where it couldn't kill Americans or destroy property. And Jim Jordan has the audacity to tweet inflation, illegal immigration, spy balloon on the House Judiciary GOP account. Inflation, illegal immigration, spy balloon. If the president does not want to put on the shades and drape the destroyed balloon 
and rests the Sidewinder missile launcher on his shoulder during the State of the Union, the least he should do is read that tweet and say, inflation, it's down. Illegal immigration, it's down. And the spy balloon, you're goddamned right, it's effing down. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Still ahead, a federal judge notices something the rest of us did not notice about the scrotus repeal of Roe v. Wade. It only applied to what rights are or are not in the 14th Amendment, not, say, the 13th Amendment. Surprise. Who's the leading thief of other people's jokes on Twitter? Elon Musk. Who's the leading amplifier of pro-Russia disinfo on Twitter? Uh Uh-huh. Where's persons ahead? And Flacco, the missing Central Park Eagle Owl, had at last word moved back to literally the sidewalk right outside his zoo, like a regretful husband back from a bender. Owl Watch 23 continues. That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Uh, you know, this is Countdown with, uh, you know, Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline right here, this podcast. A correction from before the break. The fascist congressmen are not wearing AK-47 lapel pins. They're wearing AR-15 lapel pins. What the hell do I care? I notice one of them is wearing the lapel pin with the barrel of the gun pointed up towards his chin. I noticed that. Dateline Washington hearing a criminal case involving anti-abortion activists who blocked a clinic. Federal Judge Colleen Collar-Catelli is asking that the prosecution and the defense address something she just noticed that maybe nobody else has. When it overturned Roe v. Wade last year, the court was specific in its reasoning. It looked at the 14th Amendment and only the 14th Amendment and found it contained no right to abortion. What, asks Judge Kolar Catelli, about the 13th Amendment? The 13th Amendment bans involuntary servitude. Could involuntary servitude include bearing a child against your will, as in a case of rape or even any other kind of pregnancy that the woman does not want to continue? Who knows? Maybe by the time there is a Supreme Court hearing about the 13th, maybe some of these current justices will be in jail for lying to the Senate or for insurrection. Dateline Salem, Massachusetts, related topic, public service and trolling at the same time. The Satanic Temple says it will open a reproductive health clinic in New Mexico offering abortion pills and health screening. Since calling it the Satanic Temple Clinic would not be scary enough, they say they are naming the facility the Samuel Alito's Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic. And Dateline, New York. Flacco, the 12-year-old eagle owl who escaped from the Central Park Zoo last Thursday when somebody cut the fencing around his habitat has changed trees again. As you know, first Flacco went to the nearest city bank, then off to a tree across the street from me, then to a different tree a little west of there. Yesterday, Flacco turned up in a tree directly on the other side of the southwest border of the Central Park Zoo. He was seen flying around at one point, swooping down to the ground right next to the zoo wall. It is clear what is happening here. Like so many of us in this neighborhood and throughout Manhattan and throughout New York City, Flacco went looking for a better place to live. But he got a good look at what was available and now... He's trying to renew his current lease. Now to the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Elon Musk, super genius. Well, he's been a busy little beaver. Forbes has done a story on how Musk has stolen at least 18 jokes 
tweeted at him by his own followers, four of them last Saturday alone. Not retweets, not retweets with comments, just cut and pasting other people's work. Story of his life, really. Elon also continues to prove he has no idea or makes no effort or both to separate news from fake news. A pro-Kremlin propaganda account tweeted directly at him and quoted a newspaper in Turkey. There is no link, and as it turns out, there's also no such newspaper. This fake newspaper supposedly claimed 234 U.S. and British trainers have been killed in Ukraine, along with 2,458 NATO troops. It is utter fiction, completely made up. So naturally, Musk responded with his usual pith and insight, quote, a tragic loss of life. Could have been worse. The account then asked him to mediate to settle the war. He did not reply, but of course, Musk has previously suggested that the way to settle it is to just give in to Putin. Far more seriously, the New York Times is reporting that Musk's big brag that there was too much child porn on Twitter, like there should be any, and he would immediately eliminate it, has totally failed. There seems to be more than ever. Quoting the Times, over 120,000 views of a video showing a boy being sexually assaulted, a recommendation engine suggesting that a user follow content related to exploited children, unquote. And of course, virtually the entirety of Twitter support and the abuse reporting division Musk fired all of them. Our runners up Newsmax as we continue to hear the fascist Karening over its removal from DirecTV. We now have confirmation that this was a business dispute that the Republicans see my opening commentary today that the Republicans are exploiting to score points with the vast 18 to stupid voting demographic. DirecTV has finally gotten on the stick and issued a press release about this. Quote, Our differences with Newsmax are economic, not political or ideological. Newsmax made unreasonable demands that would force DirecTV customers to fund the network's shift from a free nationwide streaming service to one that will require a pay TV subscription. Since we would not agree to Newsmax's demand to pay them tens of millions of dollars in licensing fees, DirecTV was no longer permitted by Newsmax to air its content. DirecTV is disappointed by Newsmax's position. We prefer Newsmax had never left and remained interested in bringing Newsmax back under the right financial terms. The Daily Beast is reporting that that tens of millions of dollars figure is actually 13 million per year that Newsmax wanted on a multi-year arrangement. For that crap? But our winner, I guess this would be Chris Licht and John Malone of CNN and Bill Maher of CNN. That's right, my old friend, you now wear it. The aforementioned Daily Beast's Julia Davis, who monitors Russia's increasingly hysterical war-hyping machine on TV in that country, reports that one of its hosts, Vladimir Solovyov, has a new plan. He wants to A, put the German Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, on trial in Nuremberg, which, as you can guess here, would presumably require that first Russia would beat Germany in a, you know, war, and B, Mr. Solovyov wants to, quote, buy CNN. Well, why would the Russian fascists want to buy CNN when the American fascists already own CNN? I mean, to be fair, you could get it cheap right now. The ratings are in. The debut of Bill Maher's segment last Friday night at 11.30, that hour drew 376,000 viewers for CNN, 89,000 viewers under the age of 55. Those were the lowest ratings for any hour in cable news on Friday night. 
John Malone, Bill, I swear I was on CNN that night. I swear, I know nobody watched it, but I know I was on Mar. And Chris, did I ever mention that when we worked together at MSNBC, Olbermann thought I ate paste licked? Two days worst. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Persons in the world! Still ahead on Countdown, I still remember the exact amount. $442. Minus the five I had to keep to tip the driver later that night. You will not believe... What I had to use the remaining $437 to do, you will believe that I never got the money back. Things I promised not to tell next. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need. You can help every dog has its day. In Philadelphia, animal control is still marveling that Pandora was still alive. She was starving to death on the proverbial streets of Philadelphia. And she was anemic. There were bone fragments in her stomach, black stool, and days after Outcast Rescue got hold of her, she's already up on her feet with her eyes shining again and her striking black and white coat beginning to not show quite so much ribs and bone. She has a long way to go, but if you can donate, it looks like she will get there. 
You can find Pandora on Cuddly or on my Twitter feed, and your retweets will also help her. I thank you, and Pandora thanks you. And thus to the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me. And I guess I was reminded of this because I mentioned Chris Matthews earlier. Ah, the geniuses of MSNBC. So I looked up the details of this and it looks like this is the anniversary. It's somewhere around here at the beginning of February from 2008. Late in November 2007. After several months of pressuring my MSNBC bosses to hire Rachel Maddow to try out as my guest host with a goal of then showcasing her and spinning her off into her own show, the vice president in charge of the network, Phil Griffin, agreed to give Maddow a deal for 40 or 50 grand as an MSNBC contributor. It would do nothing more than lock her in place so that CNN would not steal her from us. I mean, I knew that that conversation and that concession still would not get her her own show. But what I did not know was the concession I was told about, the contributor's contract, it was a lie. And by January of 2008, as the Clinton-Obama primary race turned into a tongue war, we were imposing upon Rachel Maddow to join the desk each Tuesday for primary night. She was not anchoring, she was not even the lead analyst, and my uncontrollable firehose co-host Matthews was consistently pretending that she did not actually exist. But she existed, she was there, and I quizzed her about every topic, every chance I got. Soon, I began to include her appearances in the pre-recorded open that I would write, two minutes of hyperbole that was really designed merely to give everybody enough time to get my fat ass into the anchor chair and everybody else's mics on. With Tim Russert in the NBC News Washington Bureau, David Gregory at Clinton headquarters, Howard Feynman and Eugene Robinson in New York, Chuck Todd at the exit poll desk, Tom Brokaw at the perspective desk, M.C. Escher at the lack of perspective desk. Then came Super Tuesday, February 5th, 2008. I was writing this orgasmic drivel, as I always did on Tuesday, crossing the names of who was where off the list as I went, the list handed to me by the executive producer Izzy Povich, when I noticed the list did not include either Rachel or the Rachel desk. I knocked on the wall that separated our little offices at 30 Rock, and she shuffled in, complete with a sincere smile of friendship, but always also with what seemed to be a little space kept in reserve where she could wonder if I was mad enough to try to take somebody hostage. Yes, my third child? Where's Rachel tonight? I asked as I waved the paper at her, assuming oversight, but leaving my own little space in reserve where my earlier nightmare had come true. Not on paper. Please to put name Rachel on paper. Izzy Povich said it matter-of-factly. Oh, yeah, well... Oh, I was in trouble. That elongated consonant always meant trouble. She's on Larry King tonight. Momentarily, I went very stupid. Well, how in the hell does that work when she has a contract with us? I'll tell you, but you have to promise not to hate me. The Isipovich fake cringe and crouch ensued. Phil made me promise not to tell you. Rachel doesn't have a contract with us. He told me he told you he'd get her one. 
Then his boss refused to give him the money. I'm sorry, you promised not to hate me. Momentarily, I was calm. Momentarily. But uh, why, why didn't you tell me that before approximately, oh, right now? Why didn't you tell me this before she agreed to go on Larry King's show? Well, she only decided this morning. Apparently, she really needs the cash. I told Phil, and he said, those are the breaks, buddy. The last thing I actually remember doing, the last part that I did not need to recreate from the memories of others and an occasional flashback in therapy, was asking how much my old friend Larry King was going to give Rachel. Izzy pursed her lips. $250. I remember screaming that figure several times along with all the swear words I knew. I remember vocalizing. We are going to lose Rachel Maddow, the next great talent of cable news, to effing CNN for 250 effing dollars. Everything else after that statement is darkness. I know I phoned Phil Griffin and threatened him. Izzy recently confirmed for me that I asked her to leave before I called him and threatened him. I believe I warned him that if he did not sign her to a contributor's contract within 24 hours, I would walk off the set during that night's primary coverage or maybe the next week's or maybe during countdown tomorrow night. It would be a surprise. I'm also confident that I warned him that of all the talent on television, Larry King had the best knowledge of what and who else would succeed. More than the rest of us combined, he was a savant. And when he saw her in real time on his primary night panel, we would never see her again. And she would have a CNN contract before midnight. I told Phil that when that happened, I would then kill him with my bare hands. Or Jeff Zucker would kill him when she wound up beating the hell out of us in the ratings. This statement all took longer than this paragraph would imply because I know without fear of contradiction, every other word out of my mouth was either what we used to call an oath or the phrase, Jesus H. Christ. Mind you, these people, the president of NBC, Jeff Zucker, and it's a year since they got rid of him at CNN, the president of NBC News, Steve Kappas, and the soon-to-be president of MSNBC, Phil Griffin, these had been the same people who about a year earlier had decided that their 10 p.m. host, Tucker Carlson, yep, Tucker Carlson was on MSNBC, that Tucker Carlson did not need two people to play the role of liberal foil on his show at like 50 grand a year. So they kept one of them. His name was Max Kellerman, and they fired the other one. Her name was Rachel Maddow. They fired Rachel Maddow at MSNBC to save $50,000. She was back now at MSNBC only because my producer, Izzy, had suggested making her a regular guest. And within a couple of months, I realized she would be the next great host in cable news. And after months of pleading, including pleading with her because she didn't want to do it, I had just convinced them to put her back under contract, except they had lied to me and they had not put her back under contract. I may have mentioned this to Phil Griffin during our phone call. 111 different times I may have mentioned it to him. I also telephoned Rachel. I did not swear at her. 
Here, every other word out of my mouth was not an oath, but an apology. I said I had genuinely believed she was already being paid, and I was not only humiliated on behalf of my network, but that I was far more humiliated that I had not double-checked with her that they'd actually given her the contract they told me they had given her. I begged her to please, please, please don't go on CNN tonight. I did not ask her to skip out on them and return to us unless she thought she could pull that off gracefully and with a clean conscience, but just not to go on with Larry. And that's where I added the little $437 stunt. I'm sorry about the money situation, I said. I didn't know. Now I know. I can only do this. I think they will give you forty or 50000 for a contributor's deal, just to start. But what I will do is... And while making as many sound effects of exertion as I could dream up, I stretched around, I pulled my wallet out of my back pocket, and I emptied it onto my desk. I need to keep five bucks to tip my driver tonight. You can have the rest of whatever cash I have on me. I'm counting it now. There's a hundred. Twenty, twenty, twenty. My play-by-play skipped no bills. Four hundred and forty-two bucks. American. Five for the driver, the rest for you. $437, Rachel. Deal? She laughed. I'll see you tonight. I'll just tell Larry I couldn't be disloyal to you. Oh, and I will take the money. And she took the money. In point of fact, when I like to say anything that Rachel Maddow did with her career after we got her show on the air in August of 2008, that's all her doing. I have nothing to do with that except being the lead-in for the first two years. That's true. But I also like to say that I got that show on the air. And I also like to say I hired Rachel Maddow at MSNBC. And this is my point. It was not figuratively. It was not metaphorically. I hired her out of my own pocket. I literally hired Maddow at MSNBC for $437. And I will point this out again. I never even got the $437 back. Countdown has come to you from the studios of Alderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Produced by TKO Brothers. Our Beethoven selections, other ones, have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music, when we have sports, is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2. It was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments throughout by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was uh, Richard Lewis, my friend of 30 years. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 763rd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck.
Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 